There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Late night legend Paul Schaefer performs live with the Annapolis Chamber Orchestra tomorrow night at the Maryland Hall in Annapolis. He joined me to preview the concert and share memories from his prolific career from Saturday Night Live to The Late Show with David Letterman. Hey, Paul Schaefer. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, D.C. Jason, I can't tell you uh, what a thrill it was. And my uh, yoga appointment got canceled anyway. Uh, <laughs> That's This is better than doing a downward dog, you know? Oh, man, have you, have you ever got that right? Speaking of <laughs> downward dogs, no, no, that, I don't really mean that. Well, what a segue. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm about to do a big concert. I hope that we're going to be talking about it. But my conductor, I've always wanted to say that, like Sammy Davis Jr., Used to have his conductor, Mr. George Rhodes, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, my conductor's on with us is Jay Ernest Green. I call him Ernie. Ernie, are you there? I am here, Paul. How you doing? Great. You know, Ernie reads music, actually. <laughs> and so I'll be able to ask him about anything, Jason, that I, I can't answer. Anyway, we're we're both happy to be with you. I'm That's thrilled. A- Yes, welcome Ernie as well. Uh, we're we're gonna have a, a a triple combo here with the three of us. This is great. I love it. I yeah, love it. I, and we should tell everyone. Yeah, you're you're both gonna be, you're gonna be you'll be playing at the Maryland Hall in Annapolis uh, on Saturday, February seventeenth. Um, and I believe it's presented by Live Arts Maryland as the group. Um, it's a cool spot. That building is you know they they put on some cool stuff. But yeah, what what what's in store for this specific show? Like the Annapolis Chamber Orchestra. Like what I guess what, what kind of what what stuff are you gonna be playing? Well, I'll tell you. I have done. Uh, I I have an an orchestral show now that I can do. It's all pop music, of course, and R&B. It's my favorite, you know, stuff, anything that I loved throughout my life that, that was orchestrated in, to any degree and stuff that influenced me uh, uh, since I was a kid. Uh, I get to do all of that stuff uh, with the full orchestra. I start off with uh, Barry White's Love's Theme, and how can you go wrong after that? No, it's all down. down and then I do just, you know, and, and I end up with Day in the Life by the Beatles, where we get to hear the orchestra do that amazing, um, you know, lowest note to highest note uh, that they did in, on Abbey Road or wherever it was, Pepper. And um, and I sing, you know. I Some used to say, uh, Paul... Don't sing. That, <laughs> but again, uh, you know, with this orchestra and Ernie conducting it, I can almost do no wrong. 
Uh, now it's also oh, it's it's turning into a you still there, Jason, or I'm 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 boring myself, but uh, I am still here and I am riveted. So even if if you're boring yourself, don't uh, worry, you got an eager audience in me. Well, there's no, this more is, this to it in that. You know, this is where this is Ernie's. Ernie, uh, I don't know Ernie. Are you the founder of this organization? The uh, no, I'm not. I'm not the founder, but I'm now the artistic director. I've been here for a long time. I've been here for 35 years. What's the organization called again? One more time. Live Arts Maryland. Yeah, no. So Live Arts Maryland is a, is is a beautiful artistic organization, and this is a fundraiser for that. It's sort of Ernie's stomping grounds, though. You do besides the chamber orchestra. You've got a what else do you have there? A chorus? We, we have a court. We actually have a couple of different choruses. We have a chamber music series. We have an early music series. So we really try to do a lot of different things uh, over the course of a given season. And I have been honored and just thrilled to work with Paul for a number of years now. And when I approached him about coming down here to do this uh, this fundraiser for us, he said, absolutely. And I got to tell you, this is one of the most fun concerts I do anywhere all year long. It is just, it's just an evening when of music. you work with fun. me, oh, you don't have to say that, but... Certainly. No, it's true. It's true. Me is the most fun you know you could possibly have. I, I understand that. <laughs> that is the reason it's the most. It is totally humility. True. But it here's the totally thing, Ernie, uh, Jason. Ernie's got like he's bringing in this huge chorus for this thing too. So when I do, you know, the Righteous Brothers tune with that wall of sound, forget it. It's going to be a knockout. I bring my own uh, musicians from New York, rock, you know, a rock rhythm section. Mm -hmm. uh but uh, and the other great thing is it's turning it, it we're turning it into a sort of a family night because ernie's two kid grown kids are going to participate um and i my wife is from that neighborhood too she's from uh arlington virginia and we were married in uh alexandria actually oh wow so where, I, all right yeah. where, where in alexandria oh uh, at, at a lovely uh reform synagogue uh, the name of which i can't remember but and then we came, cool. we had our, our dinner, our wedding dinner at the Willard Hotel afterwards in D.C. Wow. Right, so, by, you know, right near so, the White House. And it, yes, indeed, right, in, right near the White House. So, so uh, long story short, I've got a a, a nephew, um, Julian, who, who lives uh, in that neighborhood now, who's a cellist. And when Ernie heard him play, I don't, I can't remember how old he is. Is he twelve? What around there? About twelve. When Ernie heard him play, he said, "Well, he should be in the show." So he, you know, not only Ernie's kids, I'm going to have my young nephew playing uh, with us, and it's going to be a sort of a family night. And um, my goodness, I can't. It's going to be so much fun. It's just a few days away. It's just yeah. Saturday night. Oh, that's yeah. great. And what? And so, and just so I have it, you know, because I'm going to write an article with this too. What? What's uh, your nephew's full name? Is Julian Schaefer or Julian different? Oh no, no. Well, my wife's maiden name is Vasipoli. Uh, okay, that, I can spell uh, that. <laughs> it's, it's just V-A-S-A-P-O-L-I. Got it. Simple as that. And so this is her brother's son, you know, her brother. Gotcha. Uh, and his Julian Vasipoli. Yeah. Okay, great. He's really good, Jason. I mean, this kid, I heard him play. He was playing uh, a movement of one of the Botticello suites, and I I stopped listening. And I, I just, my first question was, how old is this kid? Because oh, it plays so beautifully. 
Well, I'm going to have him playing Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. Of course. That is that is one of the great songs ever. I, I, it's, it's looping in my head as you say it. <laughs> well, I, looping is the right word for it, isn't it? But yes, no, it's, yeah, it's of, circular. It's circular. Yeah, that's one, I, one that I do in this show. Um, and um, as well as, uh, you know, lots of other favorites uh, or interesting orchestral things. But all rock, you know, all with a beat. And I got a great drummer named Clint DeGannon who plays everything in New York right now, coming with me and uh, people from my my old studio. I kind of got my start to being a studio musician here in New York when that kind of thing existed. Uh, it's all computerized now. But, I, you know, this is something that I and my old friends, we are, we're all going to get to play together and uh, uh, with, with Ernie's orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. And and these charts, uh, Jason, the this this show, one of the things that's amazing about it is that the 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 charts that that Paul had done for this symphony show are just beautiful. They're just beautifully done and they're symphonic, but they never lose that energy and drive and sort of the raw power of the tunes that uh they're they're orchestrating. You know, they just they just the whole thing just really kicks. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be so much fun. And and um and Ernie, did what what are the names of your uh, family members that are playing in the uh, show? Alec Alec Green and Ella Green. And Alec plays uh, uh, Alec plays uh, guitar and sings. He's a singer songwriter in the area. He actually plays a lot of the DC theaters. Um, uh, he plays in the pit for the the theater circuit. Um, and uh, my daughter's name is Ella, and she is a musical theater singer. And uh, um, she's uh, living down in Nashville, and she was coming up for this concert anyway because she really wanted to see Paul and the concert. And she got conscripted into singing, so it's well, great. Now she's featured in it, so. Yeah, oh, that's right. She's singing uh, It's Raining Men. Well, that's yeah. a big, big dang deal to be included in this show. It really is. It really is. Awesome. So we're talking about sort of, you know, we're talking about sort of the the next generation of, you know, your family members that are going to be playing. But if you can remember, take us back to when you all were, were rising musicians. You know, Paul, where where did you grow up? What, what, Canada, right? Yes. Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. It was called Fort William then. Yeah. Um, and uh, I still remember my first... Um, uh, symphony concert that I saw. We there was no local symphony, but the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, right from right next door, came and played, and they played a Hungarian rhapsody that I, I still remember to this day. And you know, Seiji Ozawa was a conductor. He was in Winnipeg at the time. We just lost him last week, I think. Yeah, rest. Yeah, up. yeah. Um, so I sure remember that, but what. I was taking piano lessons at the time, and that's why I went to the symphony with my sort of my theory class. But then when I heard rock and roll on the radio, it was all over, you know. Yeah. My classical career was uh, yeah. blew out the window, and I started playing. Uh, this is pre-Beatles yeah. when I started listening to the radio and hearing uh, the Ronettes and, and a song like He's a Rebel by the Crystals and, you know... Uh, Huh. All these things, you know, I, I don't go, well, yeah, I go pretty far back with this show. It's, it is kind of historical, the show, so, and, and hysterical. 
at the same time. So, you, but you got to come and see it. You'll see my whole history. Yeah. Jay Ernest, uh, he, he is a military man. Isn't that so? No, well, not me, not a military musician, no. But you participate in military events, uh, being in Annapolis. Well, yeah, we've done things with the academy. I'm one of the I'm one of the oddball civilians around here. <laughs> Somebody the official got, title, oddball civilians. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's yeah. gotta do it. Exactly. You know, I one of the things I thought was funny when I first met Paul, we started talking. I grew up in Cleveland. And I used to get my dose of rock and roll by listening to a Canadian station across the lake in oh. Windsor. And Paul got his dose, I think, Paul, from Chicago, right? Certainly, WLS, AM radio. In those yeah, days. AM, that's right. So I was listening north, he was listening south. Exactly. All the same records, though. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and for me, you know, I was, I started off as a trombone player and I, I too heard rock and roll and that was it. Did you listen to Godspell not knowing that Schaefer was involved? I did. I grew up with that recording and my sister, when she was, uh, when she was, uh, you know, younger, I mean, Godspell was like constantly playing when she was at home and in the car. Constantly. My goodness. Um, so, yeah, Paul, you're going to get to meet her. She's coming down to the concert. Hey, Jason, where where do you live? I am in Frederick, Maryland, so not that far from Annapolis. And our station, of course, is right there in 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 D.C. So, like around Chevy uh -huh. Chase, Bethesda. -ish. So, yeah, we're it's not too far. Well, did you ever do that show? Got you? Were you talking about a show that got, I guess sort of got me started up in Canada when Stephen Schwartz, the uh, composer of it. And, and now the composer of Wicked, of course. Yeah. Back then, that was his first show, and he hired me uh, up there uh, in Canada to do it. And then I, I did it for a year up there. Did you ever do it? Are you a musical comedy performer, perchance, Jason? Not a performer. I'm more of a. I kind of got into this racket from like a. I'm like a movie buff kind of a guy. But I. Uh -oh. But we interview all the Broadway stars and stuff when they come to town. So I'm pretty well well versed in all all this stuff. I know you were what like Gilda Radner and Martin Short and Eugene Le Levy and Victor Garber. Like that whole thing was stacked. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, all of those people you mentioned were in and Andrea Martin, another great talent. Yeah. In oh, that original oh. God's Bow, you were music in in Toronto, the Toronto. Oh. Wow, we're all, we all still remain friends, except for Gilda, no longer with us. Yeah, uh, but yes, it was an unusual and and I, that that composer Stephen Schwartz. Well, of Gonspell, he was way more than the composer, he, which he seems to be in in almost all of his shows. He's he's just a director, conceptualist, every single thing, hmm. and he cast that show up there. We we. Uh, I was 22. Uh, you know, he hired me that day at the auditions uh, to to conduct it, which I'd never done before. I was 22. He was about 24, 25. Mm -hmm. That's it. But stop, you know, just hired me. I was, hey, I, I wanted to talk to that piano player, and he hired me. And then he hired Martin Short, Eugene Levy. You know, these funniest people, he spotted them. Wow. Andrea may be the funniest of all of them. <laughs> except for yourself of course <laughs> yeah but she i think you know she taught everybody all of them how to be funny to, when i recall it 
That's so cool. Well, thank thanks for that trip down memory lane. And speaking of which, I mean, I have to add, my listeners will kill me if I don't ask you about the Saturday Night Live band stuff, because you were there for, what, five, six years, something like that? First and five, the first five years, yeah. First five, yeah, like the early days of that show. Um, And I, I think you, didn't you, not only were you in the band, you, I guess you became so popular, you'd pop up in some sketches like Bill Murray's Nick the Lounge Singer. I think you... You started even doing some touring stuff with, you know, Belushi and Aykroyd as the Blues Brothers. Like, there's a lot of stuff that came out of that. But, yeah, mem- memories of, you know, um, when how, how did they say, like, you know what? You're you're great in the band, but you're so you're fo- you're photogenic here. We need you. <laughs> we need you in some sketches, baby. <laughs> I was just trying to sneak on camera, <laughs> basically. And I, you know, uh, uh, um, I had known so many of the writers and performers from before. For instance, Gilda, yeah. Radler, you know, from Gospel Toronto, though she, although she originally from Detroit, but uh, here she was on SNL, Aykroyd from Toronto. Uh, I had known uh, various uh, writers like Michael O'Donoghue, the evil Mr. Mike uh, from the National Lampoon. I, I started working with them as soon as I got to town in 74, one year before SNL. So I don't know, you know, I was just sort of around and none of us had any personal lives at all at the time. No girlfriends or anything. We just nothing to do, but we were at the office all night, you know, come thinking of things coming up. So I, I was just sort of around. And in the fifth season, I, I was actually was one of the first uh, featured players, sort of a supporting actor that they gave billing to. Um, so there, that's my story. I I love it. I love it. If, yeah, that's I mean, a great story, Paul. It's a great story. Our listeners oh. are eating this up, and I'm sure. Yeah, all those connections would you know lead to little bit parts and Spinal Tap and Scrooge and all kinds of movies and stuff. I'm Bradley Trainer, and I'm Don McLean. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like this: A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. But but before we run, um, we do we have to ask about your well, probably what you're most recognized from is is the David Letterman stuff, um, the world's most dangerous band. Uh, I guess it was late night with Letterman from like what eighty two to ninety three, and then you know once you do the move over, I guess what CBS Late Show with David Letterman, another I don't know how many years till twenty fifteen or something like that. Um, what exactly right? That's yeah, all exactly right. What what made Dave so damn good at what he did and why? I mean, why? I mean, I thought you guys just had the best chemistry. I mean, it, it's one of those iconic t- TV pairs, you know? I mean, you, you think of, you know, Conan and Weinberg and, and Johnny Carson and, and you know, Ed McMahon. But, like, yeah, I mean, what what why do you think the two of you work so well? Well, well certainly um, re- remembering how Dave Letterman never threw away or walked through, as they would say sometimes never walked through a single show. Everyone was important to him. And so uh, we, um, um, we, you know, we had to keep pick up that slack and keep up with him. That's one thing. I also have a recollection of him uh, getting some criticism when he first started. Uh, I said his interviews weren't great, you know, very funny, but his interview 
skills, you know, weren't so great. Well, he used to go up after the show was over, the taping of 6.30, whatever. He'd go right back up to the office and start watching those interviews and say, what the hell did I do wrong? You know, and just pouring over them, beating himself up almost over them until he got great at it, which he did. So that's one thing. And as far as me, I don't know. He said he hired me because he saw me do one of those Bill Murray uh, lounge singer things you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And he just, uh, man, people talk about carte blanche, but he really did give it to me. He said, if you have anything to say, even if I have a guest, he said, just go ahead, jump in. What boss would say that? You know, I don't know. But uh, he sure was encouraging to me, and I found I could be funny with him and improvise with him the way I couldn't do anywhere else because he was really that encouraging. That's great to hear. And Ernie, did you? I want to make sure we keep bringing you, peppering you in throughout this interview too. Did what are you? Did, what do? You, what did you remember about like uh, the the Paul Dave uh, banter? Like, or or did you have any favorite sketches? The top tens? I, I don't know. I want to know your well, your memories of Paul. On that I show. used to. I used to. It's funny. Um, now years later that I'm I'm now getting to to work and pl- make music with Paul because I would come home uh, from Annapolis where when I first took over this group, which when I first took it over, it was it was um, not what it is now. It was this small little community group. And I had this idea that, that you know, I could build something out of it. And I've been able to sort of do some of that. But I would get back from Annapolis and I'd drive back to where I lived north of Baltimore. And before, as soon as I got in the house, um, I would turn on Letterman and watch Paul and Dave. And I, there were things that I loved. Um, I, I loved sort of the, uh, the slapsticky stuff, but I also, and the, the things like the, um, the things that Dave would do, like, like uh, Paul, am I remember, didn't he have a, the Velcro suit? He sure did. Yeah, I, I mean, I used to, I used to watch that and, it, you know, just that was so funny. And I loved, but I loved the interactions between Paul and the band yeah. Uh, but Paul really and Dave, it was just it was it was infectious. And you kind of I, I remember I would sit there every single night watching it. And it was the kind of thing that you 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 couldn't pass up. And then you would have this incredible music because that band was so good. And it's because Paul has this this incredible way of pulling things together super fast. And really making the bands that he plays with, whether it's here or, um, you know, elsewhere, just really play and make the best music they possibly can. Because nobody wants to to go do any less than the best. Yeah. Um, High praise. And, and and Ernie, I know you just said you lived up near Baltimore. And I remember, uh, speaking of which, I, Paul, I remember you all did like for when Cal Ripken broke Garrick's streak. It was uh, what, like the top 10 reasons Cal needs a day off. There was like a special thing at oh, Camden Yards. That's right. Oh, that's yes, totally yeah. right. <laughs> but did you did you have any favorite of the top 10s? I mean, I'm sure there's a million you did and they all probably run together at this point after all these years. But are there is there like one that you were like, that's well, that's awesome. my Sometimes there were musical top tens. Uh, yeah. Certainly the Beach Boys comes to mind. Yeah. We had the, the Beach Boys doing uh, just the numbers, just singing in number 10, number nine, but in their style. 
and uh, it, it was pretty good. Um, yeah. But uh, I, the other thing about uh, these top tens um, has just entirely lost, I've slipped my mind. <laughs> so there, I don't know what else to say. You know, Paul, one of my, I, the one top 10 that I remember, and I don't remember when it was, but I remember um, you, I remember the top 10 that was on the, with uh, Mick Jagger. Oh yeah, it was great. It was things he's learned after, you know, 50 or 60 years, whatever. I just remember I just sort of remember that one. Well, yeah, it was the actual Mick Jagger, and and one of the one of the items that he's learned with. I've learned that when you, when when you hear a song called called "Moves Like Jagger," you don't make any money. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> that Fantastic. Uh yeah, that was pretty good, and um, you know the wonderful soprano. Uh, oh yeah. Who uh, a young gal Ernie helped me out because I can't remember. Oh, right. uh, um, not uh, uh, Renee Fleming. Renee Fleming. That was, I think. Now uh, that was my favorite. Oh I, yeah. She sang, uh, you know, kind of various funny top ten items to operatic arias. Oh, snack. that's right. That's right. Snack, little little pieces of ten of them. Yeah. And boy, I mean, it was challenging for me, obviously, yeah. to keep up with that. So, we, you know, there, there's an Annapolis connection, Paul, with Renee Fleming and you, because Renee Fleming, before she was really famous, sang down here um, with uh, with the, the Annapolis Chorale, who's some of our singers are singing with you this weekend. Renee sang, sang a Beethoven night down here in Annapolis, like back in the early 80s. Well, she was a good sport. I don't know how many you know, operatic sopranos would do what she did. Yeah. These, these things were pretty off the wall. We had her singing. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, so God bless her. But but beyond the top tens, I feel like that's everyone, that's the, where your mind goes to when you think of the Letterman Schaefer stuff. But, like, beyond the top tens, did you have any favorite recurring sketches that, that Dave would do? Uh, not, nothing comes to mind. I mean, uh, I I liked him, of course, when he was just uh, improvising, being himself. Yeah. And when he would get into a a vibe sometimes where it's a, something that he really found funny. <laughs> that's that's when I uh, found him the funniest. Um, more so than the, you know, the written bits. I got gotcha. you. Okay. When it was a little more off the cuff and trying to keep himself. Well, because there was happy. nobody faster. Nobody yeah. faster than than he. So it was just great to be able to watch him work under those conditions. Very so, quick and witty off of the off of the top. Yeah. No, yeah, nobody can nobody can top it. And I gotta think that when we see these things, you know, that the guys do today and we're even doing then very they were letterman esque. Not to say that he wasn't just as influenced by Steve Allen and, of course, his idol, Johnny Carson. But, uh, you know, when when we would do these things, sometimes they were totally not rehearsed. And sometimes the whole show would turn on a dime. If somebody in the audience said something about, you know, that set Dave off, he would just say, oh, let's go with that. You know, let's not have the first guest yet. Remember what she said? Let's go out on the street. Let's demonstrate whatever it was, you know. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else really does that. They pretend it's spontaneous, but 
Dave really was. He was great. We've had Leno on here a couple of times. Well, we've had Letterman. We interviewed him when he got the Mark Twain oh, yeah. Prize. We had the Mark Twain Prize on the red carpet. Right, yeah. yeah. But um, I was just going to say, to your point, is uh, when we interviewed Leno a couple of times, he always, I know everyone always paints it as the, you know, the rivalry or whatever to, to replace Carson or whatever. But but Leno was complimentary. He he was, he said that, that um Dave, he always said Dave, uh he always called him a wordsmith. He he always admired how he, how he could string phrases together and how, how quick he was. So. Yes, he did. And, and of course, in return, uh, Dave used to have Leno on regularly. Uh, yeah. back in when we were on NBC and uh, always respected his stand-up and said he was a master at stand-up. And Dave was very particular about his stand-ups. He didn't throw compliments around like that because right. he had been one. Well, I think it worked out well for the both of them. And yeah, for you. <laughs> really did. History will show that it absolutely did. It was a a, a, a a rivalry, a rising tide raises all boats, you know? So, um, yeah. and did, final seconds, did, is it true that, that you got offered George Costanza in Seinfeld, but you didn't return the call, or is that apocryphal? I got offered a part. It wasn't necessarily going to be George Costanza, or maybe it was, I don't know. Right. Because it, it wasn't, I don't know if they had four cast members yet or not, but I just did get a call. On a message at the office. It didn't even seem like I had to read for the part. I wasn't sure. <laughs> but it seemed like it was just an offer. And I just, you know, uh, I said, Jerry Seinfeld, come on. Who, what kind of show could he possibly have? Maybe the biggest mistake anybody has ever made in show business. <laughs> you know, that'll never amount to anything. Only uh, that's what I said. That's, that's what I said. And it took them a long, a long time to turn it around. Apparently, when you read about what they went through and their show about nothing, and you know they made a pilot, nobody want, liked it initially. All this stuff. Yeah. So who who knows? You know, I certainly wouldn't have wanted to give up uh, my job with Dave Letterman. Uh, these days, people do both. I you know I wouldn't have known how to do that back then. <laughs> Again, I think it worked out pretty well for all, all involved. Heather Locklear, remember, she got away with murder. She had three shows going at the same time. Heather Locklear. Oh yeah, that's right. That's How right. Do you juggle all yeah, of that. That's ridiculous. Me. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, well, we we got to see you in Shit's Creek cameos. We've seen you in yeah. other shows pop up. So you know, it wasn't Seinfeld, but it was still you know you're all over the place, Paul. So I can't, Jason. I can't get away with anything with you. Uh, it's all you know you gotta you remember that you seem to have caught everything but uh hey you've been really generous and uh we should end with ernie uh, uh isn't this the a big anniversary year for the chamber annapolis chamber orchestra are you 50 years this now? is the it's the live arts it's the 50th season uh it's the 50th i have not been there for all 50 i just want to say that i have not been there for all 50 even though uh, some days in the morning, I look like it. <laughs> Thanks um, for clarifying that. <laughs> you know, I yeah, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that. But it this is a group that has really been. Um, this is a this is an organization that has sort of framed my my career, and it's one of those things that no matter where else I go to guest conduct or what else I do, I always sort of think of this organization as my home. This is my home base, um, and. Uh, um, you know, I'm, you know, bringing Paul here is, uh, is honestly, it is a dream come true 
because doing these concerts with Paul is like like something I, I just love it. If my wife was listening behind me, she would be nodding because she knows she hears me talk about this all time, all the time. It is just a joy to work with Paul. Well, and, you know, I'm going to be roasting Ernie a little bit. <laughs> Please. And, because after all, it's his, it's his family's going to be there and it's a perfect audience. Uh, exactly. Exactly. You, know, you don't know what I know about you, Ernie. I know some things. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> so, watch out. You know, that's all. I'm fair warning. That's all I'm All right. Saying. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm I'm ready. I am ready. Roast the hell out of him. Again, it's yeah. uh Ernie and, and Paul Schaefer will be at the Maryland Hall in Annapolis this Saturday, presented by Live Arts Maryland. And uh I won't I won't say, you know, what are the top ten reasons to come, but what what should we and the number one reason why we should come out is <laughs> it's gonna be a total gas. There it is. The last money, it's going to be a stone gas honey. Oh, yeah. There you go. I love uh, it. I love it. Hey, thank you both so much for doing this. This was fun. Hey, thanks I, for having me. Thanks for having us, Jason. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Bye.